a big misconception right now too is you know when a person is purchasing a home everyone always assumes that five percent down is under a first-time home buyer incentive it's not look i get it the toronto real estate market is confusing whether you're a new or experienced investor or just looking for a home to raise your family in join us at broadview table talks as you sit around the table with my friends talk about the real estate and the ever-changing market in toronto all right, guys, welcome to another edition of Bravi Table Talks. I am here with my buddy, Ryan Dennehauer, the boss, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, the mortgage guy. What's going on, man? How are you, buddy? Thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming. So you come to talk about the issues that we're seeing in the mortgage market right now, where, you know, activity has dropped by like 50%. Yeah. But you're still saying it's a good time to get into the market. I would have to say so. Yeah. Yeah. There's some opportunities out there. You know, for sure, uh, you know, uh, you're, you're entering the market at a, uh, you know, in some cases, uh, decreased values, right? Which is a good thing. And again, too, right now, depending on what you're looking for, it could be a right fit for you, right? A property specific, you know, first time buyers, investors. I think that, uh, again, too, obviously dealing with someone that uh, kind of has like your goals in mind, right? It could be a fit and it could not, right? Everyone, everyone's different. Right. So now that carrying costs are so much higher, we've been saying this for a long time that, Yes, prices probably will drop, but the carrying costs can go higher. And that's all the result of the interest rates, right? So somebody trying to get in the market now is looking at it and they're like thinking, oh, wait, maybe now is not a good time. Even though prices are down by like 19% or whatever, 15%, depending on which market you're looking at. Yep. Carrying costs is like double or like a lot higher anyway. Yep. Maybe not quite double, but like it's a lot higher because interest rates are much higher. You know, 425 basis points or whatever it is, yes. it's gone up by, right? Yes. So what would you say for somebody that has been thinking about a first time buying for buying their first home or investing in their first property, what would they do to get in the market? How do they, how should they think? Like what, tell yeah. me, tell me some strategies. Great question. So uh, one, do your homework, right? Again, doesn't cost you anything to reach out to a mortgage professional and run some options, right? In some cases you don't even have to complete a mortgage application, right? You know, a couple questions, income, debt, down payment. We clearly spit out a couple options to you. So, you know, five minutes, right? Um, so explore your options just cause again, too, there are different options for everyone. Right. A lot of times too, depending on, you know, what your wants and needs are, I think just getting into the market some way, somehow could be a benefit looking at again, to anything as cyclical real estate market stocks, our weight, right? <laughs> right? Yours just goes down. Right? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you look at it and again, too, if again, too, we're on a downturn right now, knowing everything for the most part as a whole, Right. You know, if we fast forward two years, four years, five years, what's that going to look like then? Right. And again, do I know that we hear this from a lot of people, but, you know, I would say I'm very optimistic, simple supply and demand. Right. Um, you know, last year, I think there was, you know, the number is 700,000 people coming into Canada. There's more. Yeah. And yeah. that was, that was 2022, 2023. I think they're, they're, uh, forecasting it could be closer to a million people right. coming into Canada, right? You know, people like our, you know, our good friend, Benjamin Tell always says they're not coming in with a, you know, a house on their back, right? Yeah, they well, need you, you saw that podcast yeah. too, right? Yeah, that was a good one. Right, they need yeah. somewhere to live, yeah. right? So um, again, too, what does that forecast? If there's not enough houses and people now want to start buying, and again, too, if affordability gets better, it could only now signal that more people are going to come out and, and purchase, right? So, you know, my advice is, you know, understand what you qualify for, come up with a game plan, right? If you, um, you know, if you don't put together a plan, like you're automatically gonna, gonna fail. Or if you just assume that you don't qualify, you're never really gonna know, right? So I know you and I were discussing earlier, but you know, online, they, they make it really easy, right? You input a couple of numbers, you, it spits out a mortgage approval amount in, in two seconds. Take that with a grain of salt. 
right? Getting on the phone and, and speaking to a human and, and, you know, a mortgage professional that knows what they're doing uh, could really, you know, uh, provide you with, you know, a sense of either a opportunity, right? Or again, a plan to get you to where you want to be. I was just thinking about this. Maybe some of our listeners don't understand how the process actually works. Mm-hmm. So when they're calling you as a mortgage broker, first of all, why you versus the bank? Yep. And then second of all, when they call you guys, what happens there? It goes to the underwriter. Like how do they process it? How do they approve of it? You know, what are they looking at? Yeah. So uh, again, too, I, you know, I could I give a very detailed answer, but I'll try to sum it up. Absolutely. Absolutely. So as, as a mortgage broker, all we do is service mortgages, right? All that we do is obtain mortgage approvals. That's our job. Okay. So with that being said, what we look at is to qualify for a mortgage, really three things simplified that we look for income, down payment, credit history, right? And those three things will now determine the max mortgage that you qualify for. So we gather all that in terms of my office's process is we'll take that at first verbally, right? So you don't have to commit to an application. You don't have to commit to giving documents. We'll have a very quick verbal, verbal conversation. Won't even check credit just to see if there's an option, right? Is there a light at the end of the tunnel? Because every right? situation is different. Absolutely. If it looks positive, let's start now, right? So now let's collect the application and on the application, personal details. Okay, there's some information that we need, personal details, address history, job details, et cetera, right? And a couple of income documents to support, right? What it is that you're stating that you're making, if you're salaried, if you're self-employed, okay, there's different documents required. We now get that. And now with that, we now qualify you. How do we qualify you? Again, to your income and your debts determine how much of a mortgage you qualify for, right? And we look at monthly obligations. So what people need to understand is, again, you know, a car payment, for example, right? A $400 car payment in today's day and age with today's rates, it essentially is equal to an $80,000 mortgage approval, right? So if you have, and I don't think I've seen a $400 car payment in a very long time. So let's call it an $800 car payment. That's $160,000 in mortgage approval, right? So knowing those things, either A, before you buy the car or before you turn in your lease to get another one, if there's a home purchase, you know, in the horizon, right? Anywhere from, you know, six months, one year, two years down the road, you know, you want to be cautious, right? Because again, too, it can affect you. Yeah. So, so you get your home first and then do the mortgage absolutely. The car approval because car approvals are less stringent, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. Mortgage approvals are a lot higher. So the mountain is a lot higher. So. Definitely. Yeah. So we now we gather that we put together options, right? And then the main difference between a broker and a bank, a bank, you have access to one product, right? A broker, we have access to multiple products. So we actually work with a lot of the banks as well, right? We work with the banks, but then if you don't fit in that bank's box, instead of us telling you, no, we're sorry, you don't qualify or, hey, why don't you just show more income or whatever the case may be? We have other lenders that we can go to to potentially get you qualified. So, again, do no missed opportunities. Right. Great thing um, we send it. Yeah, yeah. We send it off for an approval afterwards. The approval come back. It's conditional. Right. And what I mean by conditional is when we submit something to a bank for an approval, what ends up happening is again, too, it comes back and it says now provide us with proof that the income is X, the down payment is X, these conditions are signed off. We have a conditional period where we can get all those conditions you know, signed off, lead up to your closing date, the mortgage now closes. Now, the best part of all is when the mortgage closes, again, too, you have a point of contact with that bank, right? Online login, maybe there's someone there that was assigned to you to take care of your mortgage. But what we do is we again like to stay you know, in close contact with our clients, right? So again, too, you can contact myself, my office, 
anything from payment changes to just an update on interest rates to, you know, an opportunity. Were you in a variable? Does it make sense to go fixed now? You know, are you in a high rate fixed? Does it make sense to break and go into a lower rate fixed? So again, too, you know, we'll always look at those opportunities for everyone. So options are great. And I would say that it's kind of annoying to have to give it a separate application. If you go to all the different banks, like the big five banks or whatever, it's like, you feel like you're just undressing for them. You know what I mean? It's, just, it's, it's so like intrusive to give yeah. that information. I'd rather give it one person, find the best product yeah. and go from there. Right. Yeah. So that's just my personal thing. So the process back to the process, when you're talking to the underwriters, at the banks, do you actually get to talk to them or you talk to who a BDM over there, like a business development manager or who do you talk to? Yeah. So again, to multiple points of, uh, mm-hmm. of contacts there. Right. So again, to BDMs, business development managers, these are individuals that really want you as a mortgage broker to send your clients to that specific bank, yeah. right? So again, too, they are, you know, big on, you know, education and why this bank over another bank or this lender over another lender. So BDMs, we have a contact to a lot of the banks that we work with, we do have designated underwriters specifically for, you know, our brokerage. So again, too, we could talk to the source, you know, right away, which is helpful. You have that, that open dialogue to actually go and, and walk through a deal again, just to make sure I know I'm saying this, I think for the third time now, no missed opportunities, sure. right? Because again, too, sometimes if you don't have that communication, right, there could be an opportunity where something was, again, too, just, you know, misinformed or it came out the wrong way where if you were able to explain it, again, to an approval is there, right? right? And, you know, perfect example. And, I, you know, we'll probably run through a couple of these scenarios, you know, afterwards, but, you know, recently there was a situation where based off reported income of a client that we were working with, um, they essentially qualified for a $600,000 mortgage. They needed a $900,000 mortgage. They were self-employed. Because appraisal values went down. Correct. Yeah. Um, no, no, not even appraisal values, qualifying. So again, too, you know, I'm sure a lot of realtors uh, can relate to this. You know, you were able to now incorporate, right? And show income incorporation. Although you've been a realtor for 10 years, for five years, and you have a history of this income, bank policy is now when you're, you know, you become incorporated or you're newly self-employed, you need a two-year average of your income to qualify. In this case, they only had one year of financials. And that one year that they reported personally, they didn't report the same income that they were when they were a sole proprietor. So for our listeners listening, let's just say you're a commission-based individual, you're earning $300,000 a year after expenses, you made 200. Now, when you incorporate that 300 goes into your corporation, maybe you only need $60,000 of personal living expenses. So you only paid yourself 60,000. Yes, you made the same income. Banks don't look at it that way because there's not a two-year average. They now qualify you on the 60. That's right. So in this case, we're able to get on the phone with an underwriter at a big bank right? Explain the scenario back up with proof that it's still the same income, just the way it was filed. And we are able to secure that $900,000 mortgage approval for them. Again, at best interest rates in, in today's day and age, right? Sure. So the reason why you're saying those online approvals are not so good and to be relied upon is because you're talking to an underwriter. The underwriter is the person stamping the mortgage because their job is to protect the lender, to protect Absolutely. the bank for not underwriting bad deals where yep. they're likely going to default they don't want defaults. The default ratio is really low in, in Canada. So you have that side, but then you have the BDM side that want to push business. They're trying to get you to bring business over. So it's kind of like conflicting. I totally get it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's a tough job, but um, for the lender anyway. So, Absolutely. Yeah. okay. So I don't know with that, show me some uh, examples. Like what's the most complex example you've come across? Oh, we, we've seen it all, right? I would say in today's day and age, for, you know, individuals that have purchased and are looking at refinance options now after a year or a year and a half and values have dropped, right? They now have the option to just refinance with their existing lender. You know, they, they are, you know, somewhat handcuffed 
to that one lender. So there are options out there that people could potentially explore, you know, to refinance under, you know, higher loan to values to prevent them from going to foreclosure or something along those lines. Right. So again, too, I think a, a big thing in, in today's day and age is going to be rent to own programs. And they were impossible in the past, right? Just because again, two firm offers, right? $300,000 over ask, it just wasn't happening. Now we are starting to see on our end, a lot more conditional offers. Right. We're able to breathe a little bit because clients are putting in offers. We have five days to secure yeah, financing. Yeah, it's yeah. nice. We have time to secure options. It's a short lived though. I think it's going to come back. The bidding wars are coming back. I agree. For sure. I agree. But while this, this opportunity is there where a rent to own could come into play is again to rent to own is not only purchase, you know, perfect example. If you want it, if you had, you know, poor credit right now, your only option to purchase is 20% down. Right. But if you want to get in now, maybe a good time knowing that again, to there is a potential for price appreciation over the next one, two, three years with rent own, you could actually get in with 5% down. Right. And I think that this is an option that people need to start talking about more and explore full disclosure. We haven't done a lot of them, but again, to looking at the opportunities that are coming up, I think that this is going to be a big win for a lot of individuals. One, going back to the original if your mortgage is coming up for renewal, you either have the opportunity to renew or instead of, you know, being forced to sell your home, you could look at a rent to own program, you know, anywhere from 85 to 90% loan to value. Right. And then again, too, there's obviously a lot of fine print. I won't get into do too many details there. If people are interested, feel free to reach out. Uh, but I think that's, that's a big one. And that's I a very complex man. thing. I disagree. I, I, I wouldn't, I don't like rent to own programs. First of all, yeah. as an investor or as a borrower, yep. first of all, as a borrower, you have to have super high income to be able to afford your more, your rent payments and a bit more yes, to cover yes. that, that. That's really hard. Yes. Rent is so high to begin with in Toronto anyway. Yep. Okay. And then as a borrower, as a lender, I find that the issue with that is that you're, you're capping your upside. Why would you do that? Mm -hmm. Why would anybody do cap their upside on the appreciation? Yeah. Cause you're basically guaranteeing to sell it to the purchaser or to the renter yep. at a certain price. Yes. But you're using your credit for that. Yes. So it doesn't make sense to me if the government steps in and like they said they were going to do and create these programs. Sure. Yep. Awesome. But like, I just, I think it's kind of a scam. Yeah. To be honest. You know I think, I, you know, I, I just, I don't believe in them personally. I think that if you're in a situation like that, really continue renting, get your stuff together, yep. fix your credit, fix yep. your, your income, whatever it might be. And then down the line, that's a goal to achieve towards. Absolutely. Take full control out yourself. I yep. just, I, I personally don't like them. Okay. So if, I could be wrong. Yeah. Again, like I said, we, we haven't done a lot of them, but again, we started looking into it when the market was hot. Yeah. Okay. It just didn't make sense. And, and the reason why it didn't make sense is because you need a, a conditional period yeah. to make sure that the investor going on, on, on the deal can get the deal done. They like the deal. The client is happy with, with qualifying and what have you. But what right? if it's institutional money? You don't have to worry about that now, right? Yes. So that's yes. different. But the problem is, like I said, you're going to cap your upside as an investor. Yes. If it, if it expect, if it goes up by 20% a year again, right? Yep then you're, you've lost. So, so again, to rent to own more so looking at rent to own for a borrower yeah. to get into the market, sure. right? Not as an investor, sure. as a borrower, some of the programs that we've seen is again, too, they do a modest appreciation of 3% a year. Okay. Who's going to do that? Okay. Who's, which lender is going to do that? There, there is a lender that we have access to. Okay. Right. And again, too happy to share, share details on sure. it. Right. But I don't want to, uh, I don't want to provide misinformation, but from what I know right now, 3% increase a year right now where the market is. Okay. If you did this rent to own, let's call it last year, year prior. Okay. You know, it, it, it didn't work out looking at where everything is trending today. If you have the ability to get into a house. Okay. If you're able to afford the carrying costs. Okay. 
with a 3% appreciation with a buyback in two years or three years, let's just call it 3% a year, okay? The ability for you to fix your credit within one to two years, depending on your credit situation, right? To, to have this, I feel that, again, too, depending on the way that the market works out, the upside right now looks a lot better than the, the, the losses or the downside, sure, right? Sure. When, when we look at the sure. fundamentals. Again, too, I, I'm, I'm going to assume that everyone, there's other investors out there that structure rent to owns differently. And sure. again, too, maybe we even do another conversation on this and we have more details because I think it is an opportunity that a lot of people don't talk about just because it wasn't a good opportunity previously. But it still isn't, is what I'm trying to say. Because look, rental prices, people are many, many people are struggling to even pay rent in yep, the first yep, place. Yep. So how can you pay rent and principal? Yes. You know what I mean? So yep. that's really hard for a lot of Absolutely. tenants to do that. Yes. So I think there's better strategies, like you were saying about uh, earlier, about getting, you know, sister, brother, relative, yeah. partners yep. involved in, yep. in your purchase yep. or guaranteeing the loan, perhaps doing a, uh, you know, a, a insured loan yep. even. So yep. you go less money down and use some of that capital to, to make your payments yeah. as well too. Yeah. Yeah, a big misconception right now too is, you know, when a person is purchasing a home, everyone always assumes that 5% down is under a first-time home buyer incentive. It's not. Okay, you could buy a home one time with 5% down as long as it's owner occupied. Under 500,000. Under 500,000. Right, right. Yes. So 10% under 100,000 uh, million, sorry. 10% so, over the amount above 500,000. That's right. Right? That's right. But again, too, if now you went into that home and you stayed there for a year, Okay. You stay there for a year. Again, let's just say right now that everything that the Bank of Canada is doing right now, this time around is correct. Okay. Interest rates going up, inflation comes down, hopefully. Okay. It starts to come down. Once inflation starts to come down, okay, that is now going to signal that there's going to be interest rate cuts. Okay. Interest rates cuts come down. People's affordability goes up, which now pushes up price points, right? People are qualifying for more money now. Okay. So let's just say that you bought this home. Okay, 5% down. Let's just call for easy numbers here. Okay. 500,000, you put down 25,000. Okay. Now in a year's time, that home, let's just call it, it's worth 600,000. Okay. You could now sell that home. Okay. You could pull out your capital and you could buy your second home. Let's just call it now. It's for 700,000 with 5% on the first 500, 10% on the remaining 200. So for 45,000, still the minimum down. You're not required for that second home to put down 20%, okay? As long as it's owner-occupied. You can do that again. You could stay there for a year, year and a half. Mark goes up. You could sell it again and do it again. So there's a big misconception there that, hey, I've already bought a home or I don't want to buy a home yet because I want to save my, my first-time home buyer status of 5% down. Doesn't make any sense. Just get in. Yeah. Right? Just get in and you could buy, you know, multiple times with, with, us, with, with, with let's, call it, let's call it minimum down. Is that legal? It is. To? Okay. As long, as long as you are owner occupying the property, absolutely. And they don't care about the one that you already have. If, if you sold it, if you sold it, that's completely fine. Again, too, if your family out, outgrew it, that's completely fine. But again, rule state, as long as it's owner occupied, right? At the time of purchase, minimum down. And I think that's a big opportunity. And that's why a lot of people need to speak to mortgage professionals, right? To actually source out their options. Okay. So let's talk about the scenario of people that are in say a two bedroom condo and all of a sudden, or even a one bedroom condo and they have a kid, they're, they're outgrowing that and they want to trade up in today's market, but the carrying costs are through the roof and it's insane to do that. What would you advise them? Say they had a fixed mortgage two years ago, let's say at a really mm, low rate. I think that there's a huge opportunity 
I just said huge, yeah, huge, <laughs> huge I think these are the ones that are winning the most in this market. Yes, yeah. So again, but they too, don't realize so, that yeah. because they're scared of the payments. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, again, too, for you know those individuals right now that are currently in a fixed rate mortgage from let's call it a year and a half ago. Prior, a million dollar condo. Let's right? say they bought a million dollar two bedroom condo. Yep, yep. And they want to move to a two million dollar house now. Yep. So so the opportunity here is number one. First thing that you want to do is contact your mortgage provider or a mortgage broker and explore your portability options. Okay. Reason being, if you have an $800,000 mortgage, let's just call it right. And you locked in two and a half percent, let's even call it, you know, yeah, two and a half percent. Okay. So now if you could port that mortgage over, you could port that mortgage over and depending on your lender's portability options, if you needed to increase that mortgage, you could either A, you know, blend that new money. So if you need an extra $300,000, you could blend that new money at today's rates. Again, too, we could call it, you know, let's call it 5% money, right? You could blend that 300,000 to that 800,000 to come up with a new blended rate. It's obviously gonna be a much lower interest rate than what's yeah. being offered today. Yeah. So now with that, if that new blended rate ends up being 3%, 3.5%, we now have to qualify at a stress test rate, a rate that is 2% higher than the contract rate. Okay. So we would now qualify these individuals. Okay. Let's call it at five and a half percent. Okay. Opposed to someone getting in today, right? They now get a mortgage for 5%. We have to qualify them at 7%, right? Seven, seven and a half percent, right? That that severely impacts you on what you qualify for. So you have the ability here to upsize, carry your mortgage over if your lender allows it. And again, to every lender is different. So definitely explore your options, but there's a huge opportunity here. Okay. Huge opportunity. So definitely explore that. If you are looking at options, you're scared about interest rates today. And that's why you don't want to make a move because you have a very low rate right now. Yeah. You could upgrade your property. Huge opportunity. And this especially works for say couples, right? So maybe say, you know, you were a single person when you got that one bedroom or two bedroom, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden you, you got together with a spouse, which turns out to be a real estate partner. Cause you're basically partnering with yeah, them. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then you both qualify for even more. Yeah. It just makes so much more sense. Absolutely. You're going to get everything at a 15, 20% discount. Yes. Right. Yes. From what it was before. Yep. And your current costs may not be that much. It might be a little bit higher than if you were to buy this, you know, a year ago, let's just say, right? The carrying costs, but you're still going to win in the long run yeah. because the fundamentals are going to push the prices back up eventually yeah. when immigration comes in strong, when supply, people aren't, builders aren't building right now. Not as many. There's a lot of lot less project starts right now. Is it, is it, I don't know if this is, it. I think I've heard development stat, like one, one third of projects right now in GTA have pretty much been like halted or somewhat put on hold, uh, just again, to due, due to financing costs, due to development costs and, and what have you, right? Taxes, more increased development levies even. Yeah. Right. So uh, we're going to have a planner on the, or architect actually on the next podcast. And he's, he's talking about basically now as of right in Toronto, you're allowed to have four units for density, three or four units, depending on which zoning you're at. And they're basically removing the development charges for that, which normally, you know, the city of Toronto would have gotten, 80 grand or whatever wow. per unit, whatever, depending wow. on the size, right? 60 grand or whatever, but they've increased it on larger developments. So mm-hmm. they're basically taking away from the small guys and charging more for the bigger guys, Wow, which is kind of cool. So they're still like net, net, like even, mm-hmm. but it just makes sense for the everyday individual to start getting into, you know, multiplex, triplexes, small yeah. multiplex uh, investing as well too. Absolutely. But the downside of that is that these large condos, they're paying way more in fees and development fees, like huge, mm-hmm. like 50% more. Wow. So- We'll see what happens. Yeah. So the, the point is that developers are putting these projects on hold because all these costs are escalating. Yep. Labor, material, taxes, all that kind of stuff, right? So supply is going to be restricted in the next five years. Yet demand is still going through strong. Yeah. 
Yeah. What do you think it's going to do to the prices? They could only do one thing. Right. right? <laughs> so if you can get in the market, I think you should. There's definitely strategies out there. Talk to the boss, right? The mortgage guy. <laughs> he can help out as well, too, based on different scenarios. Absolutely. Absolutely. How do they get a hold of you? Yeah. So uh, again, too, you could follow me on Instagram, ride the mortgage guy. You can, you know, email me directly, Ryan at bmtgg.ca. Um, I'm still getting <laughs> Or again, too, just message Ken. <laughs> Ken will share all my details. But uh, again, too, you know, the biggest thing is, you know, don't be fearful. Bespoke mortgage um, Yeah. Um, yeah. Bespoke mortgage group is, uh, is the brokerage that I, uh, that I own. And um, again, too, don't be fearful of exploring your options. That, that's, that's the biggest thing, right? A two minute phone call, what I've seen from talking to a lot of individuals could change your life, right? In terms of just options provided, or again, to just getting you set up and on the right track to buy that property, whether it's this year, next year, three years from now, if owning a property in your lifetime is a goal, getting a head start and putting those things into place at a time is the, the right move. Okay. All right. Thanks for listening. And uh, see you guys next week. Thanks for having me, Ken. Add it up.